All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Just Two Dads. I almost forgot where we were. I, with my co-host, Mr. Sean Francis, I am Brian Altunian. And today's, uh, today's conversation, um, if you're the parent of a child that has a disability or, or some sort of special needs, you, you, you need some guidance, need some help. Well, this is the, this, this, today's guest is our author of the book, Everything No One Tells You About Parenting a Disabled Child. That's what we're going to have a conversation about today. I'm very excited for this because I think uh, already from what this conversation, how this conversation has started, it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun discussion. So hang tight. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Just Two Dads. I'm Brian Altunian, along with my partner and my, my friend, my family, Mr. Sean Francis. Well, before we get started, we want to thank everybody. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, I want to thank Mr. Sean Hall in Hawaii, who is our producer, keeps us on track. Um, all of our all of our folks who sign in regularly and support us uh, on Facebook Live, catch us on, on Facebook Live. Leave comments. This is leaving comments, by the way. If you're viewing this, leaving comments, uh, let us know um, if you've got anything that you want to add or contribute or or comment. Please, if you're catching us after the fact on our YouTube channel at We Are Just Two Dads, actually Just Two Dads is our YouTube channel. Um, leave comments there too. Please subscribe. It helps, you know, the algorithms to, to get us to a broader audience. Um, share with your friends. Be, feel, free, blah, feel free to share on social media. Um, uh, if you're also catching us on on uh, Potlit on, on podcast, I was thanks. Sean just sent me a note while I'm talking on podcast. Potlit. I, oh, <laughs> I just blame you. When I have a mistake, I just blame Pot Sean. Lit. If you're brand new to this show. When I have a mistake, I usually blame Sean for it. Um, if you're catching us on uh, at WSTXAM Radio down in the Virgin Islands, welcome. This the problem we have, people. Is that first of all, we love what we do. We have a great time, and our guests. Usually, we feed off the energy of our guests, and today's guest is not like. I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna be. Just gonna say. Put it out there. Like we've already had conversations about vomit. We've had conversations about hair. <laughs> about a book deadline that's like weeks away and she's rewritten several chapters and so it's mayhem already here at just two dads so i'm not even gonna um, talk i'm just gonna sit back and let you guys yeah do yeah, it. This is, yeah, yeah let brian uh, create create words like pot lit i'm never gonna forget that pot lit listen <laughs> listen you better trademark you, that you talked about about somebody that that sang a song like it owed her money and refused to pay <laughs> i love that that's just that's just a descriptive thing. Never like that one's brilliant. There's Kelly. There have been some that are just like incredible. That one. That one's pretty pretty high up. Anyway, that was all Sean. Right. Yeah. No. Sean's Seanisms are 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 amazing. Sometimes he'll sometimes he'll he'll make a mistake and butcher somebody's name, and he says that he always apologizes ahead of time. Excuse me for the blood that I'm leaving behind from the knife I'm taking to butchering your name. Like it's sometimes it's insanity. But today, yeah, this is how the conversation is going to go today. I don't know why. <laughs> Roaches and caffeinated. That's where we are. Okay. So without further ado, I'm going I'm to let Sean introduce our guest today. It's already been a, a fun thing. And I'm going to go put in some ears because apparently uh, I'm verberating. Um, so without further ado, we already know how the day is going. But Sean Francis. Hello, my friend. Hey, uh, um Thank you so very much. I'm glad to be here. Uh, welcome to everyone that's taking the time to listen, whether you're joining us live, um, catching us on WSDX AM radio in the U.S. Virgin Islands, or catching us after the fact on um, 
platforms everywhere. Um, and I, I don't want to change the mood, but I just want to send a shout out before we continue. This this wasn't planned. So, um, you know, as when you become a member of the special needs community by choice, by circumstance, whatever the case is, um, there's a we're a close knit community. And I just want to send um, the best wishes and condolences to a woman by the name of uh, Michelle Arroyo, um, who I um, I met on really virtually on Facebook, probably about 2012, just because she was very descriptive about the trials that she and her son were going through. Um, his name was Grayson, and he was born with a uh, uh, with a cancerous tumor, and. Doctors had already told her that the tumor was going to outlive him. And what we did in our business each year is that we would we would gather and um, take clothes down to Skid Row, downtown Los Angeles, and have people bring donations and everything. And one year I posted, you know, if anybody has any donations, let me know. And Michelle reached out and said, I have some items that, you know, that we'd like to don donate. Can we do that? And she and Grace showed up at our office. Um, and my kids and I were there on Christmas Eve day, separating the things between toiletries and women's clothes, kids' clothes, and all that kind of stuff. And I was just so struck by him. He was a balance between weak yet strong. His nurse accompanied him. He had an IV. And he asked me, he's like, you know, may I hold your hand to, to stand and take a picture? Because he couldn't do that. But yet he was standing there telling me, you know, this is a good thing that, you, that you're doing. That And it, and it just... and. Anyway, he had like 40 handmade items that he had made. Michelle had these, um, you know, like at least 40 to 50 pairs of shoes. We donated them the next day. Never forgot it. And um, you know, you you know when someone's made quite an impression upon you, as ill as you know as as, as he was, I was still so surprised to learn that he had passed away. And um, Michelle has a story to share with the world if she ever chooses to do so. Um, I hope, sure, sure, hope that she that she does, and that uh, she knows that uh, she's in our prayers. For, for sure. She has been sharing the journey of of Grayson's up and downs and his treatments in, in the hospital and at, and at home on, on Facebook for for quite some time. And so I saw that uh, saw that. Actually, I saw an article about his stepmother, who was who was, an, who was an actress on Real Housewives. And and it mentioned Gray. And I'm like, wait, that can't be the same Gray. And sure enough, it was it was it was Grayson. So I saw that today. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. And and to hearts and, you know hearts go out to Michelle and her whole family. And thanks for that up, Sean. And, and listen, it's, it is life. It's what we deal with. It's what we deal with every day. And the work that Sean and I do, we deal with, you know, family planning and, you know, insurance and, you know, succession strategies and whatnot. So death, unfortunately, is a part of the conversation, but we're, we're open about, about that because that is a part of life. We can't ignore it or put our heads in the sand. So, not to bring that, not to bring the energy yeah. down, Kelly, because I think again, no, like, it's 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 factual energy. It's factual energy because the one that lesson that he taught was to make the most out of every minute that you got. And when you and so one of the things I'm trying to do, try to come up with a new word for each year, and the the word from for me for this year is presence because I am the epitome of distraction. And I don't mean that I distract other people. I mean that I I make distraction nervous itself. Okay, <laughs> and. In the spirit of being focused and present and 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 grateful, you know, people cross your paths, and sometimes once they do, the connection is so organic that you forget how the you cross paths, and it's like they've always been there. I've known Kelly Coleman now, our guest today, for probably 
three weeks, maybe somewhere around there. And it sure as heck feels like a lot longer than that. Like she's just always been there. She is a accomplished. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. She's a wife. She's a mom uh, um, to two boys, one of which um, has multiple diagnoses. And she, like any special needs parent, um, you know, kicks excuses to the side on a daily basis and has a forthcoming book. And I just want to welcome her to the show. Welcome, Kelly Coleman. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so happy that you brought up Grayson's story. Um, so much of our lives in this world is talking about the hard things and reminding ourselves to celebrate and just taking that moment to celebrate him and also to hopefully honor him and his family by talking about all the hard things. And I think a lot of our conversation stems from, and part of the reason we clicked so quickly is let's do that. Let's talk about the hard things so that they're not so isolating and overwhelming and giant. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, you may or may not see yourself as a as a hero, but um, that we think you are. <laughs> and all heroes have superpowers, and the superpowers of a hero come from that hero's origin. And so we'd like to kind of start there, with, you know, where you're from, your upbringing, and all those things. Because the other thing is, when you're a parent or caregiver to uh, a loved one with special needs, who you were beforehand has everything to do with how you respond to the diagnosis and plays a role in who you become. For some people, that's a seamless transition into who they need to be. For some people, it's a challenge. And for other people, it's a gift. I think that for me, it's a gift coming from the family that I come from. Uh, but let's start with you and yours. All right. So first of all, my husband and I have had the, if you were a superhero conversation, who would you be? And um, I am officially holding the title of the most boring superhero ever. Um, we've decided I would be the hibernator. Because I'm <laughs> like, I have fallen asleep during Blue Man Group. I have fallen asleep during the climax of any awesome movie you name. Wow. Like, I have fallen asleep, like, at a bar. Like, I, that is a superpower. I just shut down. That's so, that is the only superpower that I will claim in any of this. Oh, um, Narcoleptor. Narc. <laughs> oh, see, I don't have narcolepsy because that's a thing. I right. just like to sleep. And I'm like, oh, there you go. So you have control, you have control of your powers. It's not like spontaneous. There you go. Yeah, exactly. And and by the way, if I just decide to take a nap during here, that's cool. You guys just keep we'll going. Know. Now we know. Okay. Oh, okay. Good. So before I was so exciting that I just talked about sleeping all the time. Um, I so my name is Kelly Coleman. I'm presently writer, mom, and all the things. And I grew up in central Ohio. I live in Los Angeles now, which is um, very different than central Ohio in many ways. Um, mm -hmm. It was a great place to grow up. Um, we literally had a tractor crossing sign in my front yard for many years. My high school was surrounded on three sides by cornfields. What and, city in Ohio? Um, Westerville. Westerville, okay. It's just outside of Columbus. I was just going to ask you how close it is to Columbus. I have some friends who are fellow special needs parents and amazing people who live here in Los Angeles and are from Columbus as well. Ah, maybe we're the same people. Have you ever seen us together? Hmm. No, no. See? See, there you go. Hmm. There you go. I'm trying to try just like rock your world at every turn here. <laughs> um, so, so grew up in central Ohio, 
you know, great place to grow up climbing trees and canoeing in the creek in the backyard and run around with the dogs um, and all of that. And went to school at DePaul University in Chicago and lived in uh, lived in New York for a little while. And um, one of the best jobs ever in college, I was an intern at the Jim Henson Company. And so Fantastic. we got to just hang out with Muppets and like talk about Muppety stuff all day, which I could do for the remainder of this podcast, if you were wondering. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's why we're here is to be Muppety. This is when you say I, you're taking. I say yeah, I've worked. Work with Kevin Clash and, and the, the creator of Elmo, so I'm a, I can talk about this all day long. Oh yeah, I, I, we won't. Right there, but we could leave it. Leave could. it in the chat, people, if you want us to just totally derail and muppet it up. Yeah. Um. So lived in New York, and I've been in LA for a little bit over twenty years now, um, which makes me sound as old as I am. Um. And I'm good <laughs> with that. And um, it was interesting because as I was kind of thinking about this and like you said, Sean, of the relevance of kind of where you grew up and who you were before all of this, you know, all of my trajectory was leading to my career. I worked in um, developing movies. So working on the stories and the characters and the writing and like all the things um, from a creative point of view, I was mostly in animation. I worked at Disney animation, Sony animation, independent companies. Um, and just kind of putting that all together to kind of where I am now with writing and parenting and my book. And the the parallel that I drew out of that, thanks to you guys, because I'd never really thought about this before. Um, when you grow up in farm country in central Ohio, there aren't a lot of people around you who can say, all right, so if you want to work in the movie business, here's some tips, here's some contacts, here's some connections, like here's how to do all of this, ready, go. And um, there's so much great opportunity wherever you are, but I grew up at a moment and place in time when I always kind of knew that's what I wanted to do and no real mm -hmm. path. And so, again, as I was thinking about this podcast, I was thinking, huh, that maybe that's where my, I don't know how I'm going to figure this out, but I'm going to figure it out, kind of came into play. And I think my, you know, as I'm writing this book, it's not because I have every single answer to everything, but I'm really good at figuring stuff out. And whether that is, I'm going to go from this life to this totally different life that I don't know how to get there, um, or whether it is... I have a kid who has needs that are so different than mine, whether that's medical, behavioral, communication, like all the things. He mm -hmm. does not live life like his brother does. And I don't know how to do this. Um, and I feel like for us and for our family, we've been able to figure it out. And I think um, that's one of the biggest gifts that any of us can give ourselves is just saying I will figure this out and then not doubting that you will figure it out and it's okay if you don't know how but just being confident that you will get it figured out whatever the it is if that's important to you can I make a can I make a suggestion just nope free advice here for you <laughs> okay. I, I think I think you're writing an entire series of everything no one tells you about Boy, thank you would be I phenomenal 
I, I have I have thought about that. My husband said um, the next book in the series should be everything I didn't tell you about. Um, <laughs> we'll just continue. Um, but I think I'm I'm hopeful that it will be a series of many things, and certainly it can be related to um, the disability community. I can only speak from the point of view of a non-disabled parent caregiver who is learning mm -hmm. on the fly through my child, but am sourcing tons of adults and kids and different individuals who are disabled themselves. But a book about everything no one tells you about parent caregiving, about transition to adulthood, about you know, the the really getting deep into the different topics that are in the book of mm -hmm. there's a different chapter on school, IEPs, insurance, social services, disability rights and justice and advocacy. Each one of those is its own book. And uh, this book that I'm writing is really the tip of the iceberg of you need to know where to start. So many of us get a diagnosis, especially for our children and it essentially boils down to here's what's going on with your kid. Now go home, Google and cry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's no direction other than nope. big white internet out there. Good luck. And yeah. that's often like the worst thing we can do is because we're starting certainly in my case from a place of ignorance and total inadequacy of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And um, Googling you know, I, I remember I was literally Googling Blair's sister from the facts or Blair's cousin from Facts of Life. <laughs> I remember it's like, oh, wait, wait, I saw somebody on the show, The Facts of Life, and it was Blair's cousin. And I think she had cerebral palsy. And I don't know, because there wasn't. Oh, Jerry, the actress, forget her last name. Yes, yes. I remember that character. Yeah. And, and she because it wasn't just the character. They worked that into the show because yeah. Jerry is an actress had yep. cerebral palsy. Let me ask you this going back. I don't know. I don't know if you mentioned it. Forgive me if I missed it. So in your upbringing, are you, are you an only child, uh, siblings? Uh, two siblings. Um, I have an older sister and a younger sister. Okay. And the reason why I asked that is partially because those are things we, you know, find out as we're getting to know people. And again, that plays a role in your superpowers, but in our conversation off air before today, even, you said something to me that really struck me when you were talking about you, you have this mindset of inclusion. And you said to me, you know, when we sit at a table, you know, just as as people um, and I'll just I'm going to just say it as you did. You just can't read out. You said, you know, I don't, I don't think you said nobody wants, but you made a comment about there just being a bunch of white people at a table. And I know what you meant by that, which is that. In any situation where you have a majority, mm -hmm. right? If yep. the if the minor if the minorities made the minority because they mm -hmm. uh, are of a certain race or they are of a certain gender or uh, a diagnosis or all of the above, yeah. people need to be heard. And on one hand, that may seem like you know that's a very, of course, anybody should think that, but we can't assume that. Sometimes it's very good people that are just in their own shoes and their own situation. Where does that kind of empathy and desire to be in other people's shoes and understanding come from for you? Yep. I, I'm so glad you brought that up. And I think this needs to be talked about with everyone and in every corner. Um, I grew up 
where I can name the kids who weren't white, who went to my high school and, you know, and from middle school and elementary school back, because there were so few of them. Yeah. That was, and, and that, that particular community has become much more diverse um, since my days there decades ago. Um, But I grew up without really any frame of reference for diversity, just because that was the geography and that was that moment in time. And there wasn't a focus on inclusion and in recognizing that there is marginalization and all of these things. Um, I, you know, have always considered myself an open-minded person. And of course, like, you know, like everybody and I include everyone, blah, 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 blah. But the reality is you can think all of those things about yourself. You can think that you are inclusive. You think you are quote unquote woke, which that word makes me nervous because it sounds like a past tense point where you've arrived and you're done and you're never done. Mm -hmm. Um, But the reality is for me, having a child who I love dearly and I love both of my children and they're both amazing. But one of my children is in a very marginalized group. And for all of my previous years of life of saying, of course, I'm inclusive. It was put to the test so much. For sure. When I realized my child will be discriminated against, I do not know how to do the things that will allow him to be his best version of himself. I'm not looking to fix him. I'm just looking to figure out what he needs to live his best life. And as you open up the Pandora's box, not just of disability, but of marginalized group, and you realize the conversations that you have with your friends, your friends of different races, religions, backgrounds, LGBTQIA plus status, all of these things, it is all such a big mess of things that just I had never really put to the test. And if I want my child to be fully included and accepted for everything he is, not just as a disabled person, but as the member of a marginalized group, I need to listen when my friends who also have disabled children look around and they literally say to me, which I'm sure is what I said to you, what's with all the white people? Mm -hmm. And then for me to stop and be like, what is with all the white people? And I say that as a white person, but if inclusion really matters to me, how can I walk the walk and Mm -hmm. say, you know, my, my children's teachers and doctors and role models and friends and my friends, like, am I really modeling that? And having a child who's marginalized in a way that you are not, and that I will never know his lived experience as a lived experience of my own, it makes you look at and reconsider everything. And it can be scary and it can be shocking and it can be all the things, but 
when it's coming from a place of I love this person so much and I want to do right by my kid, then it's not so scary. And it's not scary to have people tell you, oh, no, that thing you said, no, you should not say that. That thing you did, no, you should not. And to see how you can bring everyone to the table um, mm -hmm. becomes exciting when it's coming from this place of love. Definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. You'll, you'll encounter, you know, uh, along the way, uh, you know, other things like, again, I'll just use this. We've had this conversation many times on, on our podcast, but the use of the term disabled causes issues within our community, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you just, dis you disable is you, that's to take apart, right? When you disable a motor, you're disable an engine or, or yep. right. And so there's differently abled and there's special needs and there's medically complex. There's so many terms for it that, you know, that, that, you're going to encounter a lot as your son will as well. So you, you, as a, as a parent looking at the things that, you know, we as parents try to look at the things that will protect our children, give them the yeah. tools to have them be as successful as they possibly can, which it sounds like you're very conscientious of. Um, and those okay. are the, and, and there's going to be things that, that we're, that we say regularly today that we don't even know will become offensive at some point mm -hmm. down the road. Um, but being aware of it and being, you know, conscientious of it, I think is, you know, is, is critical. And, and as a middle child as well, I get it. So, you know, you're always trying to appease, you're always trying to make sure that you understand. And you're, so there's compassion, there's empathy. And I'm always trying to pick fights. I always, and always, and always <laughs> separating people. But no, and as, as you are saying of, you know, figuring out what the thing is, um, I was recently talking to Judy Mark, who um, is behind Disability Voices United and is an organization that is largely staffed by people with disabilities. She said, when my child who is disabled was young, I mostly learned from other parents. Now that right. he is older, I am learning everything from disabled adults. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a page of the playbook that we all need to take and something yeah. that took me kind of an embarrassingly long time to figure out is how are we not just reinventing the wheel and I'm going to create a word so I don't have to say my kid is disabled, but instead saying, what are disabled adults doing and choosing? Um, I was speaking for the book with Rebecca Coakley, who now um, is is a leader at the Ford Foundation and is disabled herself and has had many leadership positions in governments and otherwise, and talking about the use of the word disability. And she says, it's a word that we as a community have chosen, partly because it is so broad and it can encompass mm -hmm. so many things, which I love. And she said that is the word that is codified in law and that mm -hmm. is what is in legislation. And the word special needs or the phrase special needs doesn't get you any. It doesn't get you results. It doesn't get you results. It doesn't get you the things. And yeah. she yeah. said the word disability is what is codified in law. It's what is in the legislation. And when I am using that, I am claiming those rights and that identity. And mm -hmm. she talks about disability as an identity and as a culture and in a way that all of those other words kind of dance around it. And I think I, I used to be 
terrified of the word disabled because exactly like you said, it's like, oh, that means something's wrong. Um, and reframing, it was so hard for me to say my disabled child, my child with disabilities, my child who has multiple disabilities. Like it was hard because mm -hmm. I had been taught that's bad. And I had been taught, don't stare, look away, ignore, pretend like this doesn't exist because right. it's okay because it's not in your reality. And for me, it became very comfortable to use the word disability after a lot of practice and after really following online and reading and hearing from and talking to adults with disabilities who are explaining, and it's not anybody's job to educate me, but if they feel like it, I'm all ears, um, explaining why we have chosen to own that word as a community and the power within that. And mm -hmm. I, I'm a super language nerd. I could talk about where to place your commas and your semicolons or about <laughs> when you use the word disability. I could talk about that all day long. I just bleeped That's myself. a book title. Where, um, to place, where, to, where to place your semicolon? It's so good. Well, has it, has anyone it's seen my semicolon? Semicolon. That's a good thing you put semi in there. there you up if you're asking if anyone's seen my colon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But going back to your your so your years at DePaul, I, you you know you you're going to school there in Illinois. Yep. Um, let's continue there um, on a chronological path in your your meeting of your of your husband and then leading up to and as much as you're willing to share regarding yep. your son's diagnosis. Absolutely. Thank you for, and thank you for always saying as much as you're willing to share. I think so many mm -hmm. parents feel this weird obligation, whether it's they're posting or they're doing this or whatever to overshare because that's what people do. And I think we always need to be respectful and what are children consenting to what is out there that mm -hmm. a, an employer can pull up decades from now about my children. Right. I'm so mindful of that. So thank you for always emphasizing comfort level. Um, so went to college in, in Chicago at DePaul. It was fantastic. Did my Muppety internships and other things there and um, lived, lived in New York, um, worked at Romance Classics, which no longer exists. I think it might not be women's entertainment, but a cable network offshoot of AMC before it was cool, before Mad Men happened. Um, mm -hmm. Moved out to Los Angeles to work in movies specifically. And, um, you know, with a series of small jobs and things, um, again, brought me into the realm of feature animation, which I just love. And I worked on very early versions of movies like The Princess and the Frog and Tangled and Frozen and just developing all kinds of cool things that I'm really excited about. And um, when I had left Disney, was looking for another job and to stay within animation. And an animator friend had said, hey, you should meet my friend um, who also is in animation, who's now my husband. So um, we met through those circles and through work, and he works in animation as well. Um, and he's awesome. And if you want to change the podcast to being about my husband just being my rock, there you go. Not He's not the rock. I'm not married to the rock. Let's just be not clear. He's, yeah. he's the rock as far as you're concerned, though. Yes, he's, he's, the, rock, he's, the, he's the rock to your world. Exactly. I, I'm his Kevin Hart to his Wayne Johnson. So there you go. There you go. There you um, go. And... We, so 
got married. We had one, our, our first child who is typical. And um, he was, if you were to make a list of the stereotypes of the easy baby, like he was that kid. And uh, so of course, after our, our kids are about a year and a half apart. So mm-hmm. had this kid who was a year and a half and had another baby. And I was like, you know what? I got this down. I t- yeah. I'm, I am such a good parent. Like my kid sleeps, my kid eats. Been there, done that. Cute little faces. I, I'm amazing. I'm amazing. Yeah. That's exactly. I was like, right. I, all I am responsible for all of it. Yes. We did it. It's all us. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Um, you know, cut to our second son being born, who is equally as amazing. Um, but literally within the first 24 hours, it was like, I don't got this. I have no idea what's going on. Um, mm. Where are my pants? Like, I have no idea what's happening. Um, <laughs> that's another book title, Where Are My Pants? Where Are My Pants? Yeah, by the way, that's like, Where's Waldo for moms? And it's just a mom who's like trying to get through her day and to get out the door. And every page is just like another thing. Yeah. I'm like, actually, that's kind of good. Um, so, or maybe just trying to find our children. Sometimes there you go. Um, they're always in the house. They're always safe. All good. Sometimes um, they're in pants. That's, you know, there's. You know what? That's cool too. That's, yeah. they're, all, they're <laughs> almost as big as I am. So I'll take it. Um, so, so with our, with our second son, Aaron, again, both of my kids are equally amazing, but I quickly realized I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, In the first 24 hours, what what were some of the things that were going on that threw you off that didn't take place with your young, your oldest? uh, So the biggest thing, and it's hard to quantify, but I know many parents will relate is just that gut feeling of something's going on. Yeah. Mm. I knew something was going on with my kid, period. And I would tell the nurses that and they'd be like, oh, you're just hormonal. You just had a baby here. Have a picture of ice chips. And I'm like, first of all, I hate ice chips. So we're just going to have to wait for those to melt. And can you bring me some water in the meantime? And second of all, I just knew something was going on. He was sleeping a ton and they'd say, well, he's a newborn. He sleeps. I'm like, no, it's too much. I would have to wake him up to eat. And then he didn't want to eat. And it was like, he didn't understand how to do it. And just that gut feeling kept telling me over and over and over something is going on. You can't let this go. You have to pursue this, Um, you know, balanced with, I have this amazing baby and he's so cute and he has this cool little hair thing going on. And like, it wasn't like doom and gloom and the cloud came in. It was like, my kid's awesome. And I need to be on high alert from Mm -hmm. day one. And, that gut instinct has served me very well. Uh, it turns out I was right. So, you know, we can jump back into chronology, but cut to today. Um, I was speaking with a, someone about him recently and listing the diagnoses. And she said, wow, you really have a lot of stamps in your passport. And I'm like, that's exactly what it is. He has a lot of stamps. Mm. Um, so the diagnoses that we have accumulated by now include, and I'll probably leave some off. Um, so there's an overall genetic syndrome component that is the thing that is underlying. We're part of the undiagnosed diseases network. We've done up through full genome sequencing with them. They're incredible for those who are undiagnosed. I highly recommend checking them out. Um, so we've done tons of genetic testing and within the umbrella of the genetic syndrome, um, he has been diagnosed with 
um, epilepsy, cortical vision impairment, autism, microcephaly, um, global delays. Um, he has a feeding tube. He has sensory processing challenges. Um, his, his language, he, he communicates a ton, but not with words. And he has sounds and gestures and some signs. He's learning his AAC device um, and is excessively handsome, which is kind of all that matters. So How old is he now? Uh, he's nine and a half. I want to make sure that people, I, I always try and do this because we're sitting here as co-hosts, Brian and I, but I'm as much an audience member as anything else. Yeah. And so I want to make sure that people are catching, right? What you're giving, what you're dropping in terms of information and knowledge as a parent, as an individual, as a human being, mm-hmm. trust your instinct. I, um, a friend of ours that has a very popular podcast, I had somebody on earlier this week and they were talking about why is it um, that, they, people talk about a connection between the gut and the brain. They were talking about gut health. And the doctor that was the guest says, well, the reason for that is because when we're in the embryonic stage, the brain and the gut are actually connected. So that's physical. So the actual connection never goes away. So the term gut feeling or gut instinct isn't just because you get a feeling there. The immune system is there. There's so much there. And there's something to be said for the, the notion that Hmm, something doesn't seem quite right. So if you're listening to this and you got a gut feeling about anything, explore yeah. it to see because the worst that happens is that you find out that hmm, maybe you were wrong and you'd rather find out and be explore and find out that you were wrong than yep. to do nothing and then find out the hard way that you were mm-hmm. right. Absolutely. And when you're wrong, admit you are wrong. Don't dig in your heels and say, you know what? I thought my kid, you know, we thought he had craniosynostosis, which is a word I'd never heard of, which is when you place your skull fused together prematurely. And we thought he was going to have to get um, brain surgery when he, or not, sorry, skull surgery when he was one to have the plate separate. And like, and for a while we thought that was the thing. And then we were wrong and we all said we were wrong. And having conversations of we were wrong is okay. And you need to embrace that every step of the way. And you also need to, to plan to exactly Sean, what you were just saying, you need to find out and to decide who your, um, who your trusted messengers are and how can you balance your gut instincts and your anecdotes and your stories and all of the things with real, reasonable, ideally scientific and provable knowledge. And Mm -hmm. it was such a huge asset that we did not have to seek and seek for that person. We had a pediatrician from our first son. Um, I didn't know any of her thoughts about her experience with kids with disabilities, but I liked her. She was great with our typical son. Mm -hmm. And we, I, I brought Aaron into her office a lot when he was a newborn and when he was a baby. And I kept expressing concerns and she did the tests. She asked the questions and she told me one day, which I'll never forget. She said, you can come in here every single day if you need to. Mm. I'm never going to send you away. I'm never going to tell you you're crazy. And my staff always see you and will always support you because if you think there could be something that needs to be checked out, we will check that out always. And that 
gave me. What's, her, what's the doctor's name? I'm sorry. Um, her name is Dr. Sloan Severin. Mm-hmm. And she's Good. she's in Encino, and she, as well as the number of other doctors in their practice, most of whom we've seen for one-off visits here and there when she's been out. Um, right. It's a really excellent practice, and I think that's a really important thing for us to think about with our doctors for ourselves and for our children, especially of if I come to them and I ask them a totally off the wall, unreasonable, unfounded thing, how will they handle that? But the bottom line is, the, the bottom line is getting back to what I was saying about you and what you have about you in terms of your energy. That's the kind of energy that we should have in our sphere, period, whether it's your your family, your friends. You don't always get to choose your, you know, your family, your business partners, your clients, everyone. You should be in the company of people who have a desire to at least smell your shoes, to know what it's like to be in or around your shoes. It, you know, you want to minimize the amount of people in your um, periphery that are interested in their perspective only. And you yep. want to make, and you also also want to try to be someone that's always striving to at least be curious about another person's perspective. That the world would be so much more of a better place. And to have a doctor that that does that 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 that's amazing. I, and I'm, and I'm, good I'm to know that she's not she's not part of Ravenclaw Gryffindor. That she's part of Slytherin, right? That's a good. Thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, wait, how helps. many times a day do you think she gets that? I'm going to say hundreds. Uh, uh, probably hundred times a day. Yeah, hundreds. Yeah. Um, the minute and- and just so she's doing order. great work. She's disp- she's she's changing the stereotype of, of Slytherin. Yeah. See, there you go. There you go. They're they're misunderstood. And but for the record, I think Brian and I can agree. We actually don't want to smell your shoes, Sean. So just throwing yeah. that out there. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying you should want. You you should act on it. But yeah. just the yeah. desire makes you a better person. I wouldn't suggest you do it, yeah. especially not mine. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Um. And there was you know, and all the memes that get posted and everything. There was a great one the other day that I'm. I wish I could credit. I don't know who who wrote this sentiment, but it's great. And I'm sure I'll butcher the wording of something about it's not just we need to walk in someone else's shoes, but we need to stand beside someone who is walking in their shoes and to say, I believe you. And when you tell me what your experience is, I believe you. And whether that's someone who is of a different income level, race, gender, like what? Ever group that they are in that you are not in, we need to listen mm-hmm. to that experience and yes. we need to believe it without interjecting ourselves. And to your point, Sean, of having these circles that can be trusted and not just interjecting their own puffery of whatever sort, mm-hmm. um, know that people will show you who you are, who they are. And when they do believe them. And when they do believe them. And Mm -hmm. we have seen that over and over. There have been heartbreaking situations of, like I'm ready to cry just thinking about it, people who we thought would show up for us and our kids, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they have not. And it doesn't mean, you know, for some people, it means that's not healthy for that person to be in your life. Um, For other people, it means there are parts of my life that are, are not for you. And you need to figure out with that and parenting a child who is disabled when I am not, I have had to expand my circles greatly because until my circles were expanded, 
my circle was just me and my husband and my kids and our dog because mm -hmm. I really felt alone mm -hmm. and know that you will have to expand your circles, period, if you yes. want to climb out of the bottomless pit and acknowledge that this is a harder path. Um, mm -hmm. Not that disability is bad or wrong or what, like all these horrible things that too many of us grew up believing, but right. saying this is real. It is a harder path. There are laws that are set up that will work against my child. There are, you know, curb cuts that won't be there when I need to push a wheelchair. There will be feeding tube supplies that never show up that your kid needs to eat. You know, whatever mm -hmm. the thing is and acknowledging it's hard and hard doesn't mean bad. Hard doesn't mean like acknowledge it just is. It just is. It and just is. people with whom you can have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And who they, you feel like they can say, I got you and you believe it. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of things, something that is and things that just are, I'm, I'm sorry, Brian, are you going to say something? Nope. Go ahead. Uh, what, I, what I wanted to do is most people would have some kind of aspiration and maybe I'd like to write a book. Maybe I'll do that. Just some people just, you know, wouldn't even dare do that. You've not only dared to do that, we've got you on now because you're, you've got a deadline coming up. You're finishing your book and we're going to have you back once it's released. But tell us about that because there's a lot of people out there that don't have the nerve to step up and do that. There are those that would like to, but they have no idea where to begin, self-publish. How did you get from where we are in your chronology to being on the verge of now being an author with a story to tell about this experience and add value to the lives of others? Thank you for asking. Um, so I like to... To, when I'm chatting with my friends about this, I say, I'm an overnight success. It only took me a couple of decades to get here. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am a writer by trade. Um, my background is creative writing and screenwriting and developing movies. So nonfiction, which this is, is not my background, but this book is so informed by storytelling and it is an incredibly boring guide made interesting um, because of storytelling. And I think so many people say to parents of children with disabilities and to people with disabilities, you should write a book. And people are like, when? In all my free time, I'm on hold with the insurance company for 90 minutes. Um, I think storytelling is the big takeaway. For me, I went from writing fiction to realizing this was the book that I need to write and Googling with my Muppet hands um, how to write a nonfiction book proposal. I had a book a book agent. And she said, you know what, I will, I will back you and we can send this out um, if you write a good proposal. So I was Googling how to do that. Um, I have interviews with these incredibly people, Rebecca Coakley, who I mentioned, Judy Human, who if anybody's not familiar with her, look up Judy Human, um, her book, Being Human, the document. Phenomenal last name. Uh, no. Right. And it's H-E-U-M-A-N-N. -N. Um, it really lends itself to public personality. Um, she said yes. And I've interviewed her and she's amazing. Um, I was Googling how to interview someone before for a book. <laughs> before, before all of my interviews, because I literally was like, I've never done this before. So number one. Don't let the fact that you've never done something before deter you. Um, my sister is an eye surgeon. She would disagree with that. Um, so if you want to be a surgeon, 
don't just do that. That's bad. But if you want to be a writer, um, if you want to come up with an idea for a talking polar bear movie, you do that. If you want to write a book about your experience, um, all of the information you need is available and is free online at your local library. And mm -hmm. uh, how, when people say, how do you write a book? I say very, very slowly. Um, mm -hmm. I can have bursts like yesterday when I am able to do a ton of work. But the reality in my life is that I need the flexibility to say my kid isn't sleeping or is having seizures or is in the hospital or appointments or IEPs. And I need the flexibility to be able to bounce in and out of that. And it is hard. Um, maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you just want to write a blog or a journal or a story to tell on a podcast or a stage performance, like whatever that thing is. Um, and maybe you're thinking, oh, I'm a terrible writer. Great. Start from there. If you're thinking, I don't know, grammar, I'm terrible at that. Great. Start from there. Um, and especially if you can come down to what is the story that you have to tell that only you can tell. And that's why right. we need more disabled voices and, you know, disabled parents of disabled children, please write the books and do the things. Um, for me, I, I say enthusiastically that no one needs to read my memoir ever because that's just <laughs> like, no, like, no, you know, you, there's so many other good memoirs and books and things and magazines and posts about kittens to read. But what I think people do need to read is my voice infused into the conversation of how to get stuff done. Um, this book is nonfiction and it breaks down the very basics. This is just like the tip of the iceberg on all of this. Of mm -hmm. Like how to deal with your insurance company and what do you need to know to like maximize benefits for your child? How do you figure out social services if you live in these different states? What are my kids' rights under federal law? And how do I know about like, all of these really boring things that everybody, when I get a letter from my insurance company, I'm like, I know it's just an explanation benefits, but it's scary and I don't want to deal yep. with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think no one needs to read my memoir, but what they do need is a book that doesn't feel like eat your broccoli. Um, I love broccoli. Um, but a book that comes from a place of storytelling and conversational, understandable mm -hmm. voices. Um, yeah. I say, you know, within this book that I can't help your child. I don't know your kid, but I can help you. You. Yes. Find resources yeah. and think about how to address these things. Exactly. I'm and looking forward to it. Hey, me too. Yeah. <laughs> I need it. And people, Kelly, I, we put up on the screen, uh, kellycoleman.com, Kelly with an extra E for those who are listening, K-E-L-L-E-Y. So if you're a fan of Cheers and you sing the Woody uh, Harrelson song, you have to add the E, K-E-L-L-E-Y, coleman.com. And people can find out about you and the release of the book and, and other things that you're writing or is, tell us about that really quickly. And is that where, is a resource page for you? Yep. So um, that is repository for things. Um, there's a, a 
private Facebook group that I have that is really geared towards all of this stuff, keeping it private because some of the stuff people share is incredibly personal. And also mm-hmm. in the coming weeks, really building out the social media of it all and the, the public facing of everything um, to really have these resources. I also am still writing fiction and working on these other things. And as you guys know, balancing it all with parenting. So sometimes it happens very fast and sometimes it happens very slowly. So, you know, as with all of us, figuring out as we go and doing the best we can. Most definitely. I love it. Son, we're at that point, yeah? Yes, we are. We are. (laughs) Great conversation. Yeah, we're at the point of the show where, you know, um, we ask the following question. First of all, we sit back as we always are amazed that the hour has gone by as fast as it has. Um, and, you know, our ability to change the world is tied um, to our willingness or ability to change ourselves in some way, great or small. So with that in mind, give us just one example of a thought or belief that you once um felt to believe really strongly, but no longer believed to be true. I love that question. And we touched on this earlier. I thought I could reach a point when I had stuff figured out and I have life dialed in and I like, I know parenting, I know this, I know that like, and I thought I had things figured out. I now know that everything is always moving and is always a process. And even as I started to write this book, I started from a place of, I'm really good at this and I'm gonna tell you the questions to ask so you can be really good at this. And I think that's part of it. But what I've come to realize even more importantly is that there's a lot that I'm good at. There's a lot that I don't know. And Mm -hmm. if I can teach myself and others to ask better questions, to always ask questions, to own up when we don't know and say, I want to learn about that thing. Um, We all do better for ourselves and for each other. And um, I'm excited to see where my quest of asking better questions takes, knowing that don't have it figured out, but we're all in this together. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Love it. Well, listen, as we wrap up this episode of Just Two Dads, um, first of all, thank you. You know what I, I love is when you encounter somebody who has some knowledge and you're brand new, you know, how many times do we jokingly say, well, sh- I wish I had a manual for that or I wish I wish my kid came with a manual. Well, yeah. it sounds like your book is going to be part of that manual. So yeah. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I think it's going to be probably the first of of many that uh, you're going to come up with because I think that there's the, the subject is endless and I think that the solutions are just as endless. So I think it's, it's amazing. So um, thank you for, for that. And as we can kind of wrap up and just making sure that there's nothing else. Yeah. So other things in the comments? No. Okay. We're good. Um, as a, I always say at the end of every show, you know, empathy and love is so important uh, now almost more than ever, if, you know, hearts go out to, to Michelle Royo, but you know, you think on a grander scale, those families that uh, that lost uh, family members in the tragedy in Turkey and Syria and that earthquake, 11,000 at the moment, 11,000 people confirmed dead, and it's probably going higher. Life is short. Empathy and love. You got to understand. You don't know where somebody else is, what they're going through, or what they're what they're dealing with. So have some empathy. You never know what you're struggling with or suffering. You know, suffering from or 
or dealing with. So rather than be judgmental, be empathetic. Understand what people, that people may be going through something you have no idea about. To your point, don't have to walk in their shoes, but walk alongside them and ask, you know, tell me about your experience and, and know it's true for you. So empathy for sure. And if you look at the world through, you know, the lenses of love, the world is just, it's just a better place to be. So hopefully we'll, you know, have more opportunity to share this. We're looking forward to having you back on, on the show again um, and having, you know, at the, at the end of releasing the book and talking a little bit more about that. Um, before I forget, I want to thank Sean Hall, who put all the comments, everybody that you mentioned, Kelly, Sean was out there and, and both Sean's were out there adding, you know, adding people's <laughs> Thanks names. Thanks to all the Sean's. It's also great. Yeah, I'm uh, surrounded by so many Honorary, Sean's. Diddy, all the Sean's. <laughs> and all the Kelly Coleman's in the world. There are tons of Kelly Coleman's. My own sister-in-law and others. There's so many great Kelly Coleman's in the world. Everybody listening on our podcast and catching us on our YouTube channel down at WSTX AM Radio in the U.S. Virgin Islands. We thank you for being part of our audience and part of our family and uh, hope that we add value to you every week. Um, this is episode 122, I believe. It's 122. We've been doing this for two and a half years and we are just as excited to meet people such as yourself. Uh, we do it every week and, and it's just that we have some great guests coming up as well. So we love doing this. Um, passionate about what we do and more importantly we're passionate about you and the and the work that you're doing and um and making a difference in the lives of, of our community and so thank you for that and thank you guys we love everything you do thank you thank you, thank you so so very much you know um i want to um thank everyone for tuning in whether you're doing so live or after the fact um i want to as always thank the women in my life without whom i would not be that is my uh, my mom, Jan, and my amazing wife, Laura. And again, questions are more powerful than statements. Um, let's just get, try and be as present as we possibly can and remain curious. Be a little bit more childlike and less childish. That is the key to everything in terms of making this world a much better place. And again, if you have a half an idea to do something, don't worry about being an expert before you go out there and do it. You know, we're never going to be as young as we were when my sentence began. You can't get that back. And, you know, when we began doing this, we just figured we'll maybe add some value. I reached out to one of our previous guests um, to schedule her to be on the show, to have a conversation about it. Her first response is, oh, I, I know who you are. I know who you guys are. And just to think that that's that, you know, that that's even possible. And then we also want to remind you to um, give a uh, give, we want to give a shout out to our, uh, our sponsor, Billy Footwear. If you click on the link, which is in the um, in the uh, in the in the comments, you'll get a discount on shoes. Um, they're a fantastic company with a fantastic story. And just remember, wherever you are within the sound of my voice, hearing us, watching us, we love you. Thank you. Can, can I just say one thing, Sean, before we say goodbye? Um, sure to, do. To Kelly's point, yes, you don't have to be an expert to start something except for eye surgery. Maybe be an expert at eye surgery before because my I don't really- thanks you for that. Yeah. You can start, but just don't start operating. You might want to start don't by picking stop. up a book. Or don't stop. Finish. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, on that, we'll end this episode. Thank you, everybody. We love you. Thanks again, Kelly. Thank Great you. Time. Don't go anywhere, Kelly.